It's good to worship, isn't it? Come on, let's praise God for Zach and the worship team for leading us. Hey, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Ron Zappia, and I came all the way to Chicago to be with you today. My wife Jody is here, and we are thankful for City Church. Come on, let's give it up. So grateful for what God's doing here. Billy's been a friend, and uh, I like Billy for a lot of reasons. One of them is, I didn't tell you this, but we played in the same conference in college for athletics, so a couple Division I athletes here, so you better watch it. I'm sure he tells you that all the time, right? But in all seriousness, here's a guy who loves the Lord, loves God's people, and the step of faith that he and Allison took to plant this church. Can we praise God? I mean, it's not easy. And so as I stand here today, and I know what that step of faith was like, because Jody and I planted a church 23 years ago, and I know what it's like to step out. And that's what these guys did in the midst of trying times, difficult times. Man, who plants a church right around COVID? You are crazy. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's good to be together, and I look forward to seeing what God's going to continue to do in this place through faithful people like you. So thanks so much for having us. I, um, I, I don't know. Do you, like, what's your earliest childhood memory? Anybody got one? Earliest childhood memory. Thinking about it for a moment. My earliest childhood memory I was in the car with my family, my brother and my sister, and we were somewhere in Texas. And my brother turns to me and he says, you're adopted. <laughs> how many have a brother like that? Give me a hand raise. Okay, now let me just ask the question, how many are brothers that did that to your younger brother? Because yeah, I see some people raising their hands and we don't like you, no, I'm just kidding. But he said that, but the only difference was it was true, and I didn't know it. This is my earliest childhood memory. I'm looking for a little sympathy here, please, come on. And, and so my dad comes back, and he's got these ice cream cones, and he, he's ready to get in the car, and, and I just looked at him, I said, I said, Dad, Ken said I'm adopted. And my dad just, he dropped the ice cream, and he goes, son, we need to talk. And I don't remember much more, but I do remember him saying this. He said, you know, Ronnie, don't call me that, I don't like it. He, he said, Ronnie, I, I, I just, what you need to do is just, you, you don't, you, we love you, and it's not, if you never want to think about this again, you don't have to. And honestly, I, I don't know if that was the exact right thing, but it was the right thing at the right time for me, and I just, I never thought about it again until I was 40 years old. So I could use some counseling and some help, I'd probably push those feeling down. I'm not suggesting you follow what I did, but the truth of the matter is that I was around 40 and, and I was talking to Jody and I'm thinking about this woman who gave me birth and that's kind of what I refer to her as and I'm like, you know, should I contact her? Should I thank her? Like, what should I do? And I had never really thought about it much at all, I, I'm embarrassed to say. And so, um, so I thought to myself, God, if you want me to contact her, and I really had a heart to share with her about what God did in my life. And, because I wondered what God could do in her life. And, and I just said, God, if, if you want me to, to speak to her, you're going to have to bring her into my life. And I kid you not, three weeks later, it was the summer. I walk out to the mailbox. I pick up an envelope out of the mailbox, and it says, to Ronald Zappia. Don't call me that either. And I knew, as soon as I looked at the address, it said, K. Ricci, 147 and a half Ripley Street, San Francisco, California. I knew it was her. 
I'm just telling you, I just got to chill up my spine. I'm like, this is from her. And so I go up to the bedroom, and I'm all nervous, you know, because I'm thinking, well, what if it's not? And, you know, well, maybe this is just some person who's claiming to be her, and, and they want all my money. And, and I'm like, I don't really have any money. And, and so, so I got Jody upstairs, and, and I opened it up, and we're sitting there together on the bed, and, and I look through the, she sent these pictures of herself at various ages, which was kind of interesting. And so the first picture I turn over, I show it to Jody, and I'm like, what do you think about this? And it was like her in junior high. And Jody just looks at me and she goes, that's you for sure. <laughs> and so it was, it was like, like there was no, no question. And so we started this relationship. And, and so I started writing to her. And it took a while, but I flew out there and um, spent a week with her. And, and, you know, I just wanted to thank her for the courage that it took. And isn't it true for a, a woman to have a baby and give it up for adoption and to make that choice? Can we praise God that, that that's, a, that's really important? and the courage she did to, to, and the backstory and all that stuff. And then finally, I, I kind of said, because I, I mean, honestly, my heart was to show the gospel. And so I said, well, just like you gave up me physically, your son, God gave up his son so that just like I could have life, you gave me up, he gave his son so we could all have life, spiritually speaking. And, and you know, it, it didn't land and I could say a lot, but she didn't embrace Jesus right away. And for me to, you know, I wish I had that story. And, and, and I'm still waiting and I'm still praying and still wondering. But I just wanted to talk to you about this. And so if you have a Bible, open it up to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And so I want to talk to you about this particular thing. The title of the message is called Greater Gospel Impact. And just like I wanted to have greater gospel impact with Catherine, uh, the woman who gave me birth, I want to have greater gospel impact with all the people that God has placed in my circle of influence. And so I want to have greater gospel impact in my family. I want to have greater gospel impact in my neighborhood. I, I want to have greater gospel impact with all the people around me, even here at church. Are you with me? And so... So what does that look like? Well, I've got one verse from Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I just want to share one verse with you because Billy told me you're walking through the book of Daniel. That's some deep stuff. That's a lot of verses. That's a lot of complicated stuff that he's handling really well. And it's all about what? About the Son of Man and he's coming back and, and all that. And, and so I've got to give you guys a break. I'm just going to share one verse with you. Are you with me? Come on, I'm trying to help you here. One verse, Romans 1, chapter 16. But I believe this verse, it gives us the formula for greater gospel impact. And so I'm not reducing it to a formula, but I want to say this verse has helped me to have greater gospel impact with the people God, God has placed in my life. And so my hope is that it's going to do the same for you. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I've got the ESV. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's take a look at another translation. Look at this from the Amplified Version. We'll just look at a couple more. For I am ashamed the gospel, the good news of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death. That's the gospel. To everyone who believes with a personal trust, I love this, and a confident surrender and a firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's take a look at the amplified or the message 
uh, don't judge me for using the message here. It says, it's news I'm most proud of to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him. See the response? And look at how God did it, starting with the Jews and then right on to everyone else, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay, here's our formula. Ready for it? Okay, I like a little talk back. Are you ready for it? Okay, good. So, so this is the formula we'll put up on the screen. It's simply this, and we're going to take a look at the verse, and we're going to see that each of these components or elements is in there. Boldness plus transparency plus clarity times intentionality, that's the multiplier, equals greater gospel impact. I believe you're going to see all that in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. So let's take a look at the first phrase, boldness. And so we, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And so if we were to double-click on that word ashamed, it means it's only used 10 times in the New Testament, the Greek word. It, it literally means to be humiliated or to be embarrassed. It's like what happens, I don't know, if you were um, speeding through your neighborhood and a cop pulls you over and all of a sudden you're sitting there in your car and you start getting embarrassed and so you start seeing people drive by and they're, they're people you know because they're from your neighborhood and they're looking at you and kind of waving and you're kind of doing this and they know your car. You, you're never going to feel that way, humiliated or embarrassed when it comes to the gospel. Are you hearing me? Never. Like you're never going to feel that way. Oh, there may be some... some discomfort and there may be some fear but but we're not going to be humiliated we're not going to be feeling in that sense we're not going to be feeling that way it's like the way you feel when I don't know have you ever had this happen you go to the grocery store and you got all the stuff and you're going through the line and then the guy says and they got it all bagged and the guy says you know give me your wallet or what how are you going to pay for this and and, and you're looking for your wallet it's like "I, I forgot it and then the little guy makes you go put it all back can you believe they did that to me? <laughs> that's embarrassing. That's humiliation. All that to say you're never going to feel that way with the gospel. How many people watching the NCAA tournament? Good stuff? I hope your team is winning. Mine's not. But it's like the guy who, and you never see this happen, but the guy who scores for the wrong team. It, it's humiliation. It's, it's embarrassment. And, and so you're never going to feel that way when it comes to the truth about who Jesus is because we have boldness. How do you get it? How do we get this boldness? Good question. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It's an interesting verse because it says that they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and common men, but they recognized they had been with Jesus. That's how we get this boldness. It is that we're with him. And and we're not going to feel humiliated because we're sharing what he wants in his way. Let me give you a definition. I've used this uh, since the beginning of a church when we started 23 years ago. And boldness is simply this. It's this spirit-led conviction and enablement that, that I must share who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what he wants to do in you. That's boldness. It's spirit-led. That means it, it doesn't naturally, you may have the desire to do it, but it's spirit-led. It, it comes from God. There, there's something that rises up inside you, for I cannot speaking, stop speaking about what I've seen and heard, what, what God's done. And so it's a spirit enablement and a spirit conviction. And so you can't get it at Walmart. You can't get it on Amazon. 
You can't get it at Costco. If you did, I wish you did. I wish you could get it at Costco. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I bought this thing of Laurie's. It's like, you know how big size is at Costco? I bought this thing of Laurie's salt. I mean, I bought that in 1982, and I'm still using it. I, I mean, you can't get it anywhere else but, but spending time with Jesus. And so in this message, I'm just going to open up my heart to you and just share a few things that, that I've been learning as this formula has been a real help to me. And so I didn't come a, become a Christian until my late 20s. And I share a lot with your, your pastor, who I know he became a Christian, you know, later. And so, so I remember, you know, my, one of my friend's um, sisters died. And it was a tragic death. It was one of those things. And I'm driving to downtown Chicago to go to the funeral. And I'm just, when, I'm thinking, well, when I got there, I was like, this is like, we got a captive audience here. It's all young adults. It's all young professionals like I was at the time. I was working in the business world. And, and I'm just thinking, you got a captive audience here, man. We're just, like, we're just waiting for, for, to hear some truth. And, and I had just received it myself. And, and so the man with the cloth, let's just call him that, he started doing all the stuff, and, and I'm just waiting for him to share the gospel. And, and, and it never came. And, and so when I was driving home, I was, I was literally in tears. And I just want you to understand this. It wasn't because of what he didn't do or what he didn't say. You're missing it. That's not the point. It was about what God was asking me to do and what God was asking me to say. And I'll never forget that car wreck because I was in tears and I heard it. I don't want to freak you out. I'm not one of those guys. I mean, but I don't want to be too mystical. But, but I literally, that's the one time where I heard just God say, speak for me. Speak for me. And, and that changed the trajectory and the course of my life. Is I didn't know how to speak to him, for him. I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know what to do. But can I suggest to you today that as we get prepared two weeks before Easter, are we ready? That, that there's people that God has sovereignly placed in your circle of influence? I mean, and those are people that, that God wants you to speak for him? And you may be the only person, you may be the only person with the truth that communicate in an effective way. And he's nudging you to, to, to be bold and, and to take a step of faith. That's boldness. It's a spirit-led conviction. It's a spirit-led enablement. That means I can't get it from anywhere else, that, that i got to share who Jesus is. i got to share what Jesus has done. And i, I got to make it clear, man, Jesus wants to do some stuff in you. That, that's boldness. And so let's look at our next component. What is it? Well, it's, it's transparency. And I get that from the phrase, for it is the power of God for salvation. And so salvation, you know, I like to make it clear. What is that all about? Well, that's because what? We've been born apart from God for that, that what because of sin and we took communion today is Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for our death and it should have been us who hung on the cross but Jesus took our place if you haven't shed a tear over that lately I would suggest to get before the Lord because that's what he did and so that's salvation that we are in a right relationship with God not because of who we are or what we've done because of what Jesus has done for us and so transparency, it's about the power. So, so it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. If we were to double-click on that word power, it's an interesting one because it gives us our English word dynamite. So I like to think of it like this. God wants to blow some stuff up. 
He wants to blow some stuff up. He's got the power. He is the dynamite. He wants to blow up the bad stuff in your life. And, and he wants to give us a new lease. He wants to give us a fresh start. So I wonder how many of us could, could admit that God's, he's blown some stuff up. And he needs to blow some more stuff up. I love what it says in Acts chapter 13. And this is a great verse. It says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, and I'll add sisters, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Question, where would you be out the forgiveness of sin? Where would you be right now without the forgiveness of sin? I'm telling you, man, I'd be lost. I'd be guilty. I'd be ashamed. I'd be humiliated. But he said, everyone who believes to them is freed from everything. Think about that for a moment. Everything? Like freed from everything? All the chains are broken as we sang about? Like God wants to free us from everything. All those addictive behaviors. All your past and hurt. Hey, your past is not an obstacle to God. It may be an obstacle to you. It may be an obstacle to some other people. It may even be an obstacle to a pastor. It isn't an obstacle to God. He, he, he frees us from all things. And so this transparency, I think there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. And transparency, hold this thought for a moment. I think transparency is when we, we, we have the courage to get everything out on the table, and that's good, amen? And, and so we get it out on the table, but, but vulnerability is when we're willing to let other people sit around the table and sift through it so that we can be freed and so that we can experience true freedom. And so vulnerability and transparency are integral in the gospel, in us sharing our story. And so we've got to be willing to take a step of faith and share a little bit about what God's done. And, and so we can give people hope. Jody and I, we um, were high school sweethearts. We got married in, um, after college. Um, we didn't come from Christian homes. And um, first year of marriage, she was in Connecticut. I was in Cleveland. Uh, we did the long distance thing. Anybody done the long distance thing? Oh, it's awful. And so we got together. We flew in to Chicago, and that was where we were going to start a life together. She was in sales. I was in sales. She had a much better sales gig than I. For her company, you know what they gave her? She won the salesman of the year. They gave her a Rolex watch. Yeah, I was impressed too. I won the MVP for my company in sales. You know what they gave me? A Seiko. <laughs> Mine's in the garbage. You know what? She still has hers. We may sell it and pawn that thing if we need to. But, but that led to some things. Her career was going in a different way than mine. And, and that led to some things where uh, we were on the verge of divorce within 12 months of getting married. And um, I'm sad to say that I was doing some things that I shouldn't have been doing. If Jody was on the stage here, she would say that she wasn't doing some things that she could have been doing. And so we were, we were ready. To, I mean, it was easy. No kids. How many people remember the term dinks? I don't know if the audience can remember that. That's, I see some people yet. Dual income, no kids. That was us. And so it, it, we could have just bailed. And, and then long story short, we found our way into a pastor's office. I mean, we weren't even going to church. And and the pastor said to us, he goes, he goes, I only got 45 minutes. It's a great line. I've been using it ever since. I've only got 45 minutes. <laughs> but, but then he said this. He said, um, we can either talk about the mess that you're in with your marriage, 
or we can talk about the forgiveness of sins that's available from the cross for what Jesus did in building your life on the rock. And we looked at each other with tears in our eyes and literally we're like, give us the Jesus thing. And so same day, same office, same time, I could tell you exactly when. Same prayer. It was October 31st, and that's when we came into a relationship with God. So see, it was Halloween. Some good things do happen on Halloween. Our mess became our message. Our trial became our testimony. Our story for God's glory. I would suggest the same is for you. Your mess can become your message. Your test can become your testimony. And your story can be used for God's glory. If we're bold, if we're transparent. And too many times in the church, people are unwilling to be transparent and to be vulnerable so that you do change. But aren't we just looking for some hope stories? And the people that live across the street from you, the people that you work with in the cube next to you, oh, that's right, nobody goes to work anymore, they just work from home. But, but isn't it true that, that, that if we could identify with them with some of the struggles that they're going through, and you say, well, I don't have that kind of story. Well, well, you know what, your story is awesome. God, he saved you from some things. And, and we gotta give him the credit. And so if you're... Uh, neighbor is going through some kind of difficulty and you can't identify what that difficulty is. I've never been through something like that. Well, let me just say you have been through some stuff. And for you just simply to say, it would be just bold of you to say to your neighbor and just say to them, hey, you know what? I, I, I can't identify. Like what you're going through, it's, it's crazy. I, I've never been through anything like this, but I just need to tell you this. That when I was going through the hardest season of my life, God was there for me. And God is going to be there for you too, if you let. He wants to be. Because the scripture says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. I mean, if we could just do that, isn't it true? If, if we could just be transparent for what God has done in your season, it could give us hope for the other. And I think too many times, we, we, you know, don't take it any further, man. I mean, don't you know, flip out the four spiritual laws. Sorry. To just wait for the opportunity for them to ask a question and, and to, to, to engage them with the truth about the comfort of Almighty God. And so boldness plus transparency plus clarity. Good stuff so far? With that kind of response, let me get on the next plane out of here in Atlanta. Good, good stuff? It, it, I'm not begging you, please. But clarity. And, and I think that we make the gospel too complicated. I think in the church with our secret handshakes and our, our, our code language, we just gotta, we just gotta make it simple and, and for people to understand. And so I love what it says next, that, that we would, if I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes. Let me just go into a dissertation about that word, everyone. I mean, if you were to double click on that word, um, I mean, I've done so much research on this. Let me tell you what it means. Everyone. It means you, and you, and you, and you, and uh, all of you in the back. It's everyone. Everyone who believes. Now, belief engages the mind and the emotions and the will. It, it does. It, it, we have to have intellectual consent, and intellectual consent is not enough to get you to heaven. 
Intellectual consent is not enough to, to get you into a relationship with God. Belief in the New Testament involves, I got to know some stuff, I got to feel some stuff in my heart, and, and I got to do some stuff because I know and I do results in action. It hits our head, it hits our heart, it, it hits our hands. That, that's true belief. And, and so, so to everyone who believes that, that we would be clear and provide clarity with the gospel message and, and not, not make it too complicated. But what are we up against? Well, just like you're here in Atlanta and where Jody and I are, us Yankees, didn't want to say it. I hear there's a lot of Yankees here, though. There's a lot of transplants, right? Is there? Good, thanks. I'm identifying with this group right here. The rest of them, I don't know. But, but in all fairness, in all seriousness, this is what we're up against. So I call it the five distorted gospels. And so as you lock eyes with people, whether it's at school or, or in your neighborhood, even possibly here at church, if I can say that. Like, like, these are the five distorted gospels that we need to be concerned about. The first one is this. It's the whatever gospel. And so the whatever gospel is the modern-day ecumenical movement. It's just like, hey, whatever you believe is okay. Hey, your story. It, 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 whatever you believe. Well, Jesus made that clear. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. It, it isn't about Whatever. And Jesus said there's a broad road and there's a narrow road, didn't he? And he said the broad road leads to destruction. And I'll add pain and agony and difficult. And isn't it true that the circumstances of life ripen people to the gospel? Did you hear what I said? The circumstances of life, for us, it was going through a failed marriage. For you, maybe it was a loss of something or a loved one or a job or a situation. The circumstances of life ripen people to the gospel. And there's a broad road and there's a narrow road. And I'm either going to take the broad road that leads to destruction or the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And Jesus says, but few people find it. So, so are you willing to help some others? Well, if you are, you got some, you got, it's an uphill climb. Like the whatever gospel, it's everywhere. And the second one, how about this? It's the works gospel. Anybody been on this one? I was on this one. I'm sorry to say nobody else but me in the room was on it. But this is about what? It's about what I do versus what's been done. The Jesus, it's so simple. It's, it, it's do, I do versus D-O-N-E, what he's done on the cross. And so the Apostle Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not as a result of works, so that no one will boast. And so for the works gospel, I remember, you know, talking to my friend and, talking to my family, and it's like the, people think that the good outweighs the bad. I mean, it, it's still prevalent. Third thing is this, is the wealth gospel. And so some would just say they call it the prosperity gospel. And this is what Jesus is going to do for me, what I'm not going to, you know, not about what I'm going to do as a result of what he's done. And so it's just like, yeah, hey, Jesus is going to heal me. That's great. Awesome. Jesus is going to do this. Jesus is going to, I'm going to give a little money to Jesus. He's going to give me 500 bucks back. I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't blessing as a result of doing what God wants, but that's not how we earn our way to heaven. That what? That, 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 that there's, you know, it's, you're in it for what you can get. And then next is the wholesome gospel. And so this is like, you know, your neighbor next to you or a person at work that just, you know, they're just good people, man. They're, they're moral people. They, they're just, they're, they're just, they're awesome. Like, they're doing life, and like, you're just like, hey, man, they're doing it better than us. And 
and they've built businesses and they're successful and they even do a missions trip with a Habitat for Humanity and they take the kids and they go build a, a house for someone. I mean, these are good people. But Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so what does he mean by that? Does, you know, Because I know some people that got great marriages apart from him. I know some people that, that built businesses apart from him. But, but what, what does he mean? He, nothing of eternal significance. And so when we say the wholesome gospel, it's not about what you're doing and, and the glory you're going to take for yourself. It's about God's glory and what he wants to accomplish. And isn't it true it says in Isaiah, your righteousness is like, you tell me, filthy rags. That means there's nothing good in it. And then lastly, is this helpful? Last W is the welfare gospel. And so this could be talked about as the social gospel. And this is just prevalent today. And, and so this is the idea that human aid, apart from conversion, gets you saved. That, hey, I want to feed the homeless. I, I want to, you know, I want to go all over the place and, and reduce poverty. But we can't just meet needs without sharing truth. And we just, we, just, we just can't do it. And Jesus, I love Jesus' philosophy. Jesus' philosophy, do you realize this? He had a two-stage philosophy. And so his, his vision was two-pronged. And it's really simple. It's to care and to share. Care. That's what he said. He went on. And it says he healed disease. And he took care of illness. And he raised people to the dead. For us, you and me, maybe you can't heal, that God can, but for us, that's what, it's that I care for people. I want to take care of their needs, whatever, wherever I'm at, whatever, wherever God sends me. And, and then I got to share. I got to share the truth of who he is and what he's done. And so that's the gospel. That's the piece where I need to declare what he's done. And so these are the distorted gospels. This is what we're up against. And, and so just to help you, I, you know, I, I got this you know, right here. You know, get off the plane, you just buy some, some stuff. And I got this for you. It's right here. You get it yourself. I'll put it right in the light. It's wash away your sins. That's hand soap. It says wash away your sins. It says um, reduces guilt by 98.9%. I love this because what it says is it says it kills sin on contact. Just to be clear, it says it's for all liars, cheaters, and wrongdoers. And so I'm going to be um, at the back, and when you go by, I'm just going to put a pump a little because it says that it says, all you need to do, tempting, do it again. Oh, I bought the Easter lily scent. It says, press pump. You guys think I'm making this up. It says, press pump, anoint hands, rub hands together, piously, rinse, repent, go forth cleansed from sin, ready to do it again. This is what we're up against. And, and, and you know, I'm having some fun to tell you that, that people are all over the map with what they believe. And so, so what do we got to do, man? God's using you, and, and, and he wants to use you to share his message. And we need to do it with boldness, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We need to do it with transparency, for it is the power of God. We need to do it with clarity, that it's for everyone who believes. And we need to do it with intentionality. And I think this is the best part, because theologically speaking, it kind of trips us up a bit, if, if, we, if, we, if we aren't students of the Bible, but, but we have to know something about what the Old Testament says and God's people from the beginning. And, and he says next, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
So God's people, the Jewish people, they're the ones that, what, that, that God revealed the message to. Those are the chosen people. And, and so he revealed his message to them. They rejected in the New Testament. And so that's how we get grafted in. I mean, so if you're not a Jewish person, like, that's how you get in, man. That's how us Italians got in. It, that, that's how all of us get in. And, and so God, in his wisdom, and he has a plan for the Jewish people. Read Romans 9 through 11. His heart weeps. It, he's intentional. And, and so we should be intentional. Agree? And, and so how can we be intentional? And, and where's God sending you? Hey, maybe it's to a different part of the globe. Or maybe it's right here in your neighborhood. But before you God sends you someplace else, he wants you to do it right here. Amen? He wants you to do it, and then he'll provide the avenue and the fruitfulness to give you a different or even a greater platform in a different place. And so we got to be intentional. So I've, I've kind of shared a few stories. I mean, uh, my wife is in the front here and so thankful. Um, she just had a heart and a burden to share with her family like I did. And, and we hadn't seen any movement for nine years. Anybody been in that place where you've been praying for somebody? And it's just not moving. It's just like, and so it was nine years. We, we, we saw nothing. And so Jody um, wound up um, getting a, a pad of paper. It's kind of funny. And she got a Bible. She sent a Bible to her brother and, and a letter. And she did this letter where it was like, I, okay, I got to help this guy out. She's like, she's, she wrote a letter and made the gospel clear and then put blanks in it and made him look up the verses. Isn't that funny? It's just like, you know, okay, you know, it's like, for we all have sinned and fall short of the God. John, you know, look up, you know, Romans chapter 3. I mean, and so he gets it and, and, and he doesn't do it. Older brother. And um, so his, his wife finds it. And, and, and she does it. She's filling in blanks. She gets saved. Are you hearing me? Is this hilarious? So she gets saved, and then she takes it. And it isn't it true that God will sometimes use your step of faith to do something you didn't think was going to happen? And he did it through somebody else. But then guess what? His wife shared with him. He gets saved. He shares. I call this, we call this, you know, the, the, in, the dominoes of intentionality that what? The dominoes started falling. John, her brother, shares with um, her dad, and, 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 and he, he said it like this. He goes, you know, Ron and Jody aren't as crazy as you think. <laughs> so that's what we are. We're the Jesus freaks, you know what I mean? It's just like, we ain't as crazy as you think. They're still crazy, but not as much. And then, and then he said, they were right. Like, like it's true. And, and I've embraced it too. And then, and, and through a, a long story, but her mom, Jody's mom, embraced Jesus. At 69 years old, she got baptized. Can we praise the God? It's never too late, man. And Jesus, I love this verse, man. I mean, he talks about receiving, and, and that's what we all need to do. For as many as received him, Jesus, and believed in his name. To them, he gives the right to become children of God. So I got to catch something. I got to believe it. And, and I'm a child of God. So what that, what's that verse teaching? Well, first it's teaching that 
not everyone is born a child of God. Do you remember that? Do you know that? We're all born in God's image, God's image, but we're not born as children of God until we receive. And so we got to be intentional about how can I, how can I see the relationships in my family and in my, where I can be used of God to bring someone one step closer. And so that's my challenge. And I'm so foolish enough to believe and naive to believe that God, hopefully by now, has, has laid somebody on your heart. Maybe it's a person, family member, friend. Maybe it's a people group. That I, 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 gotta, I, I gotta do something. And so that's the greater gospel impact. And, and it starts in you. And, and I love what it says next in verse 19. It says that, um, excuse me, 17, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed, it says, from faith to faith, it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the righteous are those who have embraced the truth of who Jesus is and his righteousness. I put it on, and, and so I got to take some steps of faith. And that's what Billy and Allison did when they planted the church. They took some steps of faith. And your faith is being strengthened as a result. Amen? And so what step of faith are you going to take? Last story. Round and third. Coming into home right now. I heard a message like this. And um, I had, you know, had become a Christian. And, and I, just like you, I was in the business world. I, I didn't really know what I was going to do like, with this. And, and I heard a message and, and, and my parents, you know, came to mind and and I thought, you know, I went home and I started thinking about it. And, and, you know, just like you, one thing leads to another after a Sunday morning. And the next thing you know, you know, you're not thinking about it again. Well, I couldn't shake it. And so I'm thinking, I got to share with my parents. And my parents leave, live in Cleveland and I'm in Chicago. It was midnight. And I'm like, I'm still wrestling with this. I got up. I went down to the car. I, I drove a 1986 Honda Accord at that time with flip-up lights. And so, so I got in the car, and I'm like, I got to leave and go to Cleveland right now because if I don't do this, it's going to be another excuse. It's going to be another thing. And I, I just I felt like God was, like the Holy Spirit was, was, was working. And, and I was like, I, I was a new Christian, so I wasn't sure, like, if I don't respond to the Spirit now, how am I going to ever know if, if, if it's Him? And, and so I'll never forget, I grinded the gears and backed out of the house, the, the driveway, and I'm just like, I'm going to follow God's spirit. So I, you know, I race to Cleveland, Ohio. I, I, don't know, I get there at like 5.30 in the morning or something. It's ridiculous. I mean, I drove the whole way there. and I, I never really thought about what I was going to say. <laughs> and so I pull in. My mom's out there embarrassing. She's out there watering the flowers in her nightgown. Sorry about that picture. <laughs> and, and then so I pull in and I, like, I roll the window down and it wasn't that nice of a car. <laughs> and And... And, and she's standing there, and, and she says, what are you doing here? And I hadn't thought this through. And then she's like, where's Jody? Where are the kids? You know, here she's thinking I'm leaving the kids or something. I'm just like, I'm like no, no, Mom, that's not it. And then I just said, I go, I go, God loves you. And then she just looks at me. She goes, get in the house, and I'll make you breakfast. So I sit down with my dad, and we're talking. And we're, you know, I'm, I'm trying to bring in some spiritual conversation. I'm, you know, Billy Graham, and you know, like, like trying to agree. <laughs> I mean, Billy, you like him, right? Yeah, me too. And 
And, and it, just, it, it went nowhere. And, and so finally, I, I mean, I was dejected. I'm like, God, what, what, you led me to do this. Like, and, and so I got my car and I thought, you know what, I'll just stop by my sister's because she's on the way and, you know, I'll get out of here. And so I get to my sister's door and she opens the door and I thought she'd be surprised to see me and she wasn't surprised at all. And I said, well, how, how come you weren't sure? She goes, oh, mom told me you were coming. And I go, really? And she goes, yeah, she, I just got off the phone with her. And mom said this. She said, God sent you. Is that hilarious? I, I never said it. And so, I don't know, for the next hour or so, my sister and I had probably the deepest conversation that we've ever had. And she told me some things that she struggled with. And I told her some stuff that I did. And, and then she was open to receiving Jesus Christ. And she made the decision that day. And God used her, yeah, praise the Lord. God used her in a domino of intentionality to reach my mom and dad who I couldn't reach. And I would suggest the same for all of us. Is, is that God wants to use you in a significant way. And it may not be you know, aren't we a team? It's like one, you know, one does this and another does this. The apostle does this. The, 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 the disciple does this. You know, one waters and one sows, but God causes the growth. And so I'm just going to ask you as we close to stand with me. And if you could just put your things away and quiet your spirit, your heart for a moment. I, I don't want to let this moment just slip away. And so if you could just bow your heads with me. And I wonder who God may be laying on your heart. And I want you to fight the fear in the moment. I want you to fight the anxiety. And I want you to remove the thought that, oh, you've tried. And, oh, they didn't respond. And just, just get rid of it for a moment. Because just like God gave you second chances, he gives it to them too. So if there's a person that you believe the Lord's land on your heart, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see. I want to pray for you. I see hands going up all over. Maybe it's a neighbor or a friend. That's good. Just you can put your hands down. Father, for we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. God, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then the Greek. And so we're just asking, Lord, that you would give us the words. We're asking you would give us the strength. We're asking that you would bring us to a place of boldness and that we would be transparent. And for Father, you'd give us the word so that we could provide clarity. And we're making a commitment to you to be intentional, Lord. Would you even reveal in this moment what step you want each of us to take so that our story can be used for your glory? If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen.